Welcome to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio, 97.3 FM. My name is Tom Douglas, chef owner of a few joints here around town, including Serious Pie, Seat Town, down there in the north end of the Pike Place Market area. This beautiful facility here, the Hot Stove Society, our cooking school, which is uh, housed in the Hotel Andra, 4th in Virginia here, right above Lola Restaurant, which opened six weeks ago now. I had breakfast at Lola this morning. That's the one thing about working out. I'm back to working out. You know, I had said the best part of COVID for me was that my personal trainer stopped seeing me. And <laughs> so did your hairdresser, 19 by the way. months later, so did my hairdresser. <laughs> yes. Ooh, I think that was a shot. 19 months later, she, I get a little text saying, are you ready? Like, who, who is this? That's what I said. So, yeah, I'm back at it. And I got my hair cut because I got my COVID. Uh, I'm getting my booster tomorrow. I'm so excited about that. Get that out of the way. Uh, and I'm joined by my pal, Chef Thierry. That's right. Thierry Rotiro, the chef in a hat. And uh, very happy to be here every Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get my booster shot a couple of weeks ago, so I'm good. And uh, what else? It's a holiday season. I'm very happy. I had It's uh, a holiday season. I went to see my first... Uh, my <laughs> I went to see my first concert of Bluegrass at the Paramount a couple nights ago, uh-huh. and uh, it was actually very fantastic. I had no idea that Bluegrass was that cool. In case... I'm sorry. It would be red grass if it was hot. Yeah. yeah. Well, those musicians were very, very, very yeah. awesome. They yeah. were super, super, super good. Yeah. And uh, it was very cool. And we had a little bite... At the uh, Carlisle prior to that. Really? And, and look at you. You're standing here alive and, I, and, and well. I, and I got outvoted for the chicken schnitzel. I wanted the schnitzel and none of the girls wanted that. I was like, God, why not? Why not? It's fried chicken. Come on, give I me mean, a break. You know, I was trying not to tell them it was fried chicken. They were like, <laughs> is it schnitzel? Like, I'm like, oh, no, it's delicious. You're going to love delicious. it. <laughs> Just say it's like chicken milanese. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And they'd be like, yeah, Or like chicken that? Kentucky. <laughs> So retirement's treating you well. You look happy and healthy, and I'm Absolutely. happy to see you again this week. Uh, we, of course, are joined by our producer, Pamela. And uh, on the board today, Sean uh, McFadden is off today, so Michael Todd is taking on the board today. So it's a very exciting moment for us in our lives to have Michael join us in such terrifying. a legitimate way. Terrifying for you. How do you feel about that, Michael? She's terrified. I know. <laughs> uh, we got a big show today, Peak of the Season Holiday Cookies. There's a large article in the New York Times, our favorite food section in the country. Uh, if you don't get the New York Times, it's worth it really. What is the digital cost? Like $39 a month or something? I don't know. I'm in for full print. You're in for full print. Oh, you get it delivered. Every day. Wow. That's why I'm always late for work. You're such a conservationist. That you- <laughs> I know. It's yeah. starting to feel bad. <laughs> yeah. 40 bucks a year. 40 bucks a year? Yeah. It's worth it just for the food section, in my opinion. So we're going to talk about holiday cookies. Uh, how to up your coffee game. Uh, what, what's your routine in the morning, Chef, for coffee? I brew my own coffee. I grind my own coffee. and I grind brew my own, And then I gr- brew my own coffee. How? Um, I just pour water into the coffee maker. <laughs> I put the grind into the filter, uh-huh. and then I watch it. I watch it go down as I'm kind of zombieing out through the kitchen. Okay. And then when it's going beep beep beep, I'm like, oh, my coffee is ready. All right. I'm a pour over person. Yeah. I still use my Melita filters. And my cone, my cone filter, and my little thermos I know what top. to get you for Christmas. I need coffee. I have to stop on the way home and get coffee. I have a little can in the bottom of my freezer that says last two pots. So that when I am 
thinking at nighttime, what am I, you know, making sure I have coffee for the morning and I forgot to pick it up on my way home. I have two pots of coffee left in my freezer. That's awesome. Yeah. I, so do, have, I do have a bag hiding somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, can't be out of coffee. That's I mean, that would coffee. be like can, Sam from uh, Sam from Cafe Vita. We've had her on the show oh, yeah. before. She's going to be here to talk about uh, different coffee drinks for the winter. It's just the season for risotto. Pamela's very favorite dish. I asked her what she wanted to be. She's been working like a dog for the last few weeks, and I asked her what she wanted me to make at her funeral for her weight. You know, for her. <laughs> so supportive. For, well, you've been working too hard. I'm just telling you, stop it. Uh, anyway, she wants risotto. She loves risotto. She wants risotto. Instead of saying, and, you're gonna, and Pamela, you're you said you said that you have one kind of risotto that you want me to make. Yeah, it's got to be have a bechamel sauce. <laughs> we'll tell you the story of this segment of our trip to Parma together. That was a, a, a life changing event. Uh, hot new chili, Chris Town. You know, Chef Terry and I love the Loganma chili. Uh, the grand. Godmother's chili yep. from China, Ms. but there's a, there's a local chili crisp uh, on the marketplace that we're going to talk about Uh-oh. today and have the, the owners Ruby Sparks and Ron Grissett are here to talk about starting their company. This is what happens when you listen to the show. You get ideas like that. And then... ah, exactly. Uh, are crown racks of pork, veal, and, and uh, lamb worth it to make on a holiday? I have some opinions about this, which I'm what sure shocks you. But I, there is one in this group that does not work for me. Yes. Okay, just letting you know that. So I'm taking a bet on which one it is. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, me five, too. Five bucks. Okay. Well, wow. You're it doesn't up unless you bet somebody. You're betting me? Yeah. Okay, uh, you're on. Okay. And then, of course, we're going to wrap up our show with Rub with Love Tasty Trivia Challenge. Uh, we are selling so much rub net right now because everyone thinks it's the perfect stocking stuffer. You know, it's that size jar that fits in. And so, yeah, uh, yesterday at Seatown in the Rub Shack, we sold uh, 140 jars of rub. Oh, my God. Which is probably the most we've ever sold in a single day before. Rub Shack. Okay, Terry Rotoro. Taste what of the week. What is your taste of the week? Tartatin. Tartatin. Oh, yeah. Love a good tartatin. I made one yesterday for my wife's birthday. Oh, happy her. birthday, Kathy. She, uh, every year she wants a cake for her birthday, you know, and... I'm not necessarily a cake guy, you know, so... It's her birthday, chef. Yeah, well, she loved the tartatin, thank you very much. I didn't okay. make a crappy one, I made a good one. Okay, all right. <laughs> anyway, um, I think it's this time of year, and I did... Something that I don't normally do in tartatin is I use three different kinds of apple. I use Granny Smith. They were super, super tart. And that was really cool to put that into the middle of a crispy... I had the crispy, uh, the honey crisp uh, uh-huh. apple... And I had another kind of apple that was sweet also. But it was nice to have those in the middle, and that really helped balance the flavor. And other than that, you know, make a good dough. And do you put a flavor in the, in the red wine, like caramel, or do you use red wine? No, or? so what I do is I took butter, brown sugar, I put that in a cast iron pan, mm-hmm. then I come, kind of cook it a little bit, then I put all my apples, then I put the dough on top. But right. the apples that I put in there were quartered, I mean, uh, eighth of apple, uh-huh. and they were macerated with a little bit of sugar and a little bit of calvados. For so that, the for apple brandy is the only thing you use as a flavoring. Correct. Okay. So the apple were enhanced by the, by the brandy flavor. It's apple brandy, so it enhanced the flavor. And I leave it on the counter for about an hour, tossing it around until it really, really, you know, starts attacking right. the, the, the apple, basically. 
All right. My then, taste of the week is I'm cutting you off because I only have two twenty sure. seconds left. Uh, You're done. I've been cooking this week. Uh, we have had several classes of dumpling challenges this week, and I've been cooking out of Xiao Ching Chow's. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, Chinese soul food, and it's. I, I'm just going to say it's the perfect Christmas present to go out there and get somebody who's never had a dumpling challenge, and then just make two of the fillings, get some of the either the wrappers or make the uh, bao dough, which is right. very simple, five ingredients, delicious, works beautifully, and then uh, Annie has been making this kale and butternut squash filling for the baos. Uh, oh. Really, really good. I've had it four times this week, and I, I enjoy it every time. It's really tasty. So that's my suggestion. If I have a fun little holiday yeah, treat, make a make, dumpling. Make the kids, make the whole family yeah, work on it. make some, and then put some in the freezer, too, and yeah. eat them up later. All right, when we come back, it's time for cookies. Christmas cookies. Holiday cookies, right here at the Hot Stove Society radio show. It's Cairo 97.3 FM. Welcome back. It's the Hot Stove Society show on Cairo Radio. Turns out Chef is going to take a pass on this segment because he is a cookie hater. And I'm Tom Douglas, and I love cookies. Oh, my God. How did we get to that point? Well, I, I just showed you oh, an wait, article with on. 20 cookies in it. You walked over, you looked at it, you said, I hate them all. No, first, pa- first page, I said, no. Yeah. You said, which one would you like? I'm like, no. Nah. A spiced, reminiscent of mold wine, a tart-like cookie. That doesn't do it for you? You're French, for God's sake. Okay, well, now that I know what's in it, yes, maybe. Ah, but the picture see, didn't do it justice. Okay, Pamela, you, you, uh, you love cookies. You love holiday cookies. And you have a favorite one that your grandma used to make, which turns out is a lot of people's favorite, that particular kind of Russian tea cake cookie. Tell us about that cookie and why it's important to you. It featured pecans. And I love that whole family of shortcake and biscuits. And, but she managed to have a light, crispy outside and then it was nice and moist on the inside and it, it had some give to it uh and the, i don't know how she got the correct ratio of confectionery sugar you know because sometimes on the outside because yeah. sometimes it globs up and gets gooey right but hers just had the perfect coating now it's got to be something to do with what temperature you it, dust yeah. the cookies yeah. at because when they come out you dust them it's going to melt the sugar right. Right. i think some people go too soon too fast yeah. yeah, they can't wait. And also a nice little, um, a nice little tap on the on the strainer when you're spraying your chalk, your your sugar. That's also important. Oh, so. like on a cooling rack. No, right. that's not how you make tea cakes. <laughs> you no, no, no. Just, you're the cookie hater. Just the spreading of the sugar. No, no, no. You put them in a bag of sugar and you shake, shake, shake. Oh. You get your exercise. And you sh- ah, right, Am I right, got audience. It. Have you made Russian tea cakes before? I have yeah, not. You shake, shake, shake. Okay, well, that's you're like you, you do. You sing Taylor Swift at the same time. Shake I it am. off. Shake it off. Well, shake, shake, shake was a good song too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, so that's your story, and you're yeah. sticking to it. Uh, yeah. Did you ever go to somebody's house and have a favorite at somebody else's family's tradition? Oh yeah. Do you remember Maureen that worked at Pike and Western? She made the best chocolate crinkles. Oh right. You know those ones that just open up yeah. and have a little goo, but then they're and then you could dust dust with the powder. Those are those. Yeah. those are. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, if you can get the, the cookies still almost warm and chocolate gooey everywhere, that's definitely a, a trap right there. So one of the You're things that I something. hate is that people will sometimes bake and put their cookies in the freezer because they're trying to get ahead of the game for the holidays. 
just not as good. Don't so bake. my suggestion is to put the dough yeah. in the freezer. Oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. bake to order each yeah. time. Don't bake the cookies ahead of time. No, 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 no. Big no, no. Because most of the cookies that I've seen freeze as dough beautifully. Correct. Because there's usually pretty, uh, plenty of fat in right. them, butter fat. And- Unless you have a cookie that requires like a, you know, egg white. How come you hate cookies and say cookie like that? Like so I didn't beautifully. say. You just said. No, wait. You just said, Stop. unless you have a cookie. Stop. You. And that is so beautiful. I don't know where I, you came up with the hate cookie because I said no to one thing. Our I audience mean, was geez. right here when you walked over to this newspaper. They didn't say I said, hate cookie. They understand. I, you don't have to like everything on the shelf. It's nice to be picky. But you say it so beautifully. I want to hear what your favorites are. Okay, I like, the, my mom used to make this, uh, um, almost like a, a Linzer torta idea. Where, I love those, oh, yeah. yeah. When you put the jam, oh, yeah. and you stamp. Mm-hmm. As, as a kid, it was really impressive to watch those being made, and you were like, oh my God, it looks like a flower. Oh, look at that, this is so cool. Right. You we know, have them in the bakery right now with our homemade uh, I mean, jam. If you make a homemade jam and you use that in, in a nice little cookie dough like that, to me, that's a... Beautiful cookie. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of cookie. So traditionally, for me, I've always made those out of hazelnuts, like ground hazelnuts right, uh, right. and butter and a, a little bit of binder. What would the binder be? Just the butter and the hazelnuts? I wonder if there's... I don't remember if there's no, you flour must have in there a, or You not. must have a little flour in there. Maybe yeah. so, yeah. But then uh, any sort of homemade jam is delicious. Right. Uh, my mother always made the strawberry freezer jam, and so we uh-huh. use that in the thumbprint cookies. We use that in the Linzer. Yeah, thumbprints are another type of cookie I like. See, I like the jam and the cookie together. It seems to me like you like most cookies. Um, oh, so there's lots of different classic cookies, like spritz, right? Yeah. Uh, which have never been my favorite. You know why they're not my favorite? Oh, you're a cookie hater. Ah. You know why spritz? You know why I hate most spritz cookies? No. People don't brown them. They don't oh, yeah. Cook them in a hot enough oven so they're cooked before they get a brown on them. The Correct. way probably most recipes tell them. And maybe that's the, are they Norwegian? Is that the, are they, they seem a little bit Scandinavian in nature. Right. To me, uh, maybe there's like Italian dry cookies too, but uh, um, they just don't get enough color on them. I like caramelization. And so even on a chocolate chip cookie, I cook at a little bit hotter temperature mm-hmm. and I'll get the caramel around the edge with still having the soft Absolutely. Under, undercooked center. Personality. Well, sometimes we call that in our business, you're cooking it French style, right? Because French cook their their pastries generally much oh, darker than right. we do here in the states. So, um, the other one I like are the pinwheels. Another place to use jam, right? You make like a shortbread cookie. Yeah. Uh, but uh, those to me can really step out. I'm, I'm, I've discovered that I actually like cookies with dried fruit in it too, mm-hmm. uh, raisins especially, and uh, currant. You know, th- dried currant. It's really delicious. It makes for a nice little. You know, you get this this cookie that's. Almost dry, not dry, but, you know, that's got nothing in it. And then you get that bite that brings a little moisture to it. And it's delicious. Yeah. I like cookies more than I like brownies. Really? So you're you know also a brownie some, eater. Oh. Sometimes people put, make their cookies too thick, more like a brownie right. than a cookie. Right. Because to me, a cookie has to have some snap. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm that, with you 100%, but I like brownie. I mean, a good brownie? No, I don't mind a good brownie, but I want, I want to order a brownie. I just don't want one as a cookie. Oh, yeah. It's no, like people that serve me chili for soup. I don't want chili or stew is not soup. <laughs> no, that's, that's a bean soup. That's a oh, but back to the cookies. Did you rip <laughs> off that um, delicious oatmeal apricot <clears throat> recipe from somebody else, or from did that Les- come up in Leslie your... Mackey. 
Oh, uh, when she that originally was one started of your... Macrina, she was one of my favorites. We almost went into business together, but her original uh, oatmeal instead of oatmeal raisin, it was an oatmeal apricot. That one's so good. Still that good. Combo. We still use that. Yeah. Uh, cookie idea, and then of course our Nora Ephron, which is oh probably God. our most popular cookie at the bakery, at our Dahlia Bakery, uh, which is a ripoff version of the uh, Bouchon Bakery oh. peanut butter cookie. So uh, we all borrow, as long as you give credit, we all borrow from yeah. each other, and, and that's really a key for that. Uh, I think you heard me say on last week's show, um, Jackie made the first rugula that I think we've ever made uh-huh. in our home uh, for uh, the beginning of Hanukkah. We have a, right. my daughter's husband uh, is Jewish, and so he practiced his whole Hanukkah faith there, which I had never seen before, being uh, a Reformed Catholic, meaning I, I don't have any religion. Uh, but uh, so she, she, you know, she was just thought that'd be fun to make some. She had never made it before. Oh, loved it! It was perfect. We talked about it with Dory Greenspan. Yeah. If you guys didn't listen to Dory last week, go back and listen to the podcast. Yeah, that was really uh, nice. She's super nice, super super cool lady, and brilliant uh, in the kitchen. And of course, uh, she rips off a lot of things too. Everybody does, I think. Okay, my least favorite cookie. Yes, the, the one, the plain old one that's hanging in the tree. No, my least favorite <laughs> cookie is biscotti. You know oh, yeah. why? Because people feel like you can make them and never throw them away. You have to eat them <laughs> until they're gone, and they are like months old, and they still offer you a Tastes biscotti. Tastes like a brick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, uh, a fresh biscotti is actually yeah. really, really fantastic, and and when you've had it, it's like that's really delicious. Yeah. But once you can't even crack through it with your teeth, and you have to use a hand. Yeah, they think that it, because you can dip it in coffee, it makes it all better. It's a little bit like the idea that um, using stale bread for your Thanksgiving stuffing. Yeah. Uh, hello, it's stale. <laughs> not good anymore. Yeah, that's not where it goes. That's, it goes in bread pudding. <laughs> it goes to the birds, right? It doesn't go to the bread pudding either. Use fresh bread and toast it, but don't use stale bread. It's stale. All right. Yeah, it's the all holiday. Right. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. I mean, it's a, you know, $3 a loaf. Go for it. <laughs> Up next, uh, we are going to talk with Samantha from Cafe Vita. She is a coffee expert, former barista champion, and uh, it's going to be super fun. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show. Welcome back. It's the holiday season. That's all I know of that song. I'm Tom Douglas. And I'm, I'm Terry Rotero. What song was that? You know, I uh, didn't... Um, who sang that? Tony Bennett or somebody like that? Somebody oh. super cool. Much cooler than I. <laughs> uh, we have invited Samantha Spillman back from Cafe Vita. She is the lovely person who talked me into buying two conical grinders <laughs> uh, the last time she was on the show. Um, and uh, she's going to tell us today. We have her for two segments. We're going to talk a little bit about coffee, the brewing process, and what makes the best cup. And then on the next segment, we're going to turn that information into delicious holiday coffee drinks. So it's a very important that you stay for both segments for Sam. Okay, Sam, <laughs> I have a bone to pick with you. Can oh, I call you Sam? Boy. Absolutely. Okay. So I bought the conical grinders that you told me to because yeah. you said it was going to change my life. Is your life changed? Well, yes, it, is. it is. It I'm is. It is. It's $400 poorer. <laughs> And somebody at Goodwill is really enjoying those grinders. Um, what happened? I just They just didn't work for me. Oh, no. I went right back to my Krups, $20 Krups grinder with my, uh, my Melita coffee filter. So 
I did my research. I bought the really good one. Yeah. Did my research. A lot of people didn't like them because they're like they cause a lot of static electricity and a mess. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to let that deter me. Yeah. But I, I bought the really good one and kept the mess down a bit because it was going right into a little metal cup. And then um, I couldn't grind it fine enough in the grinder for me. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. What I are didn't, you brewing on? I brew on my Krupp's 20 seconds. That's okay. what I brew on. Okay. Just saying. <laughs> Come on, the opposite experience because I have love a con- your conical grinder. Yes, yeah. and it, it's it's perfect. And even I even like the static electricity of the coffee yeah. flying everywhere in the morning. <laughs> it, it's like confetti in a yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. I'm the same right. way. So you have nothing to say then? Well, you don't, you're not going to give me four hundred dollars. By the way, it I, wasn't four hundred dollars. Not true. <laughs> no, one was three fifty. One was fifty. I bought the cheap one and the expensive one. I just wanted to try and it. The, so, how was the cheap one? Uh, worse than the expensive one. <laughs> <laughs> Pamela loves hers, and I, I get the attraction to mm-hmm. it. I just don't understand it quite so much. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that, like, especially if you're not comfortable using it and yeah. you've never used it before, it takes some time to warm up to. It's kind of, yeah, it's it takes a little time warming up to, but what you can't see is that it's creating such a more consistent Perfect. grind size. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that so, part I would agree. Yeah. But it still wasn't quite fine enough for me. And after 45 or 50 years of making my pour over, mm-hmm. the process is part of the fun for me. Agreed. Yeah? Yeah. you know, my... Agreed. I have my bathrobe on, my slippers on, everything <laughs> it gets a little haphazard while I'm grinding my beans, yeah. get over to the, you know, it's just, yeah. What pour over do I couldn't, you use? I couldn't break my routine. Uh, what, what pour over? Yeah. Hot water. Okay. That's no, perfect. What do you mean, what pour over? <laughs> like a Melita filter, Melita filter. Oh, Melita? Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Okay. Maybe just like add more coffee. I add lots of coffee. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to see it. I'm not complaining. I love my coffees. I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that. Just okay. Let's, let's get to where you came from. You <laughs> brought some equipment here uh, and some coffee uh, for the holiday season. Yes. Um, so let me tell you about it. Um, I brought an AeroPress, which is my personal favorite brewing during the holidays, um, because I go to visit family, and the coffee equipment is scary, horrific. Um, yeah. yeah. So and also family takes a lot of energy. As much as I love my family. Uh-huh. And so I can do this one right in the bathroom, have my privacy, <laughs> sneak away from everybody uh-huh. for a She's second. Been, that adds a whole new meaning to pour She's over. She's been in the bathroom yeah. for 45 minutes. <laughs> that adds a whole new meaning to pour over, huh? Yeah, Sam? like yeah. I honestly, I, I need my caffeine before I can talk to okay. um, humans in general, but especially my family. So it's called a what now? It's an AeroPress. The nice thing about it, too, is I don't know if you're like me in the morning, but if I haven't had coffee yet, I'm super clumsy. Um, so I'm breaking stuff, trying to get my coffee together. This thing's plastic. You can throw it across the room, have your dog fetch it, and it'll come back in one piece. And I see that you brought an electric water heater so that you can have that in your bathroom too, right? With not yeah. a problem. You don't need a gas stove or anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you take the New York time too because that could be a two-hour sitting. <laughs> A lot of people start asking questions, um, but the kettle, um, the temperature of the water is so important. The consistency of it. I'm a huge nerd when it comes to coffee. So well, that's, tell me that's why I'm... you're the 2019 barista champion, <laughs> yeah. right? So uh, you must have some nerdness about it. All that stuff that. matters. I guess, yeah, I guess so. Um, but the kettle, what I love about this kettle is uh, the base keeps the temperature of the water to the exact temperature you want. 
um, consistently while you're doing your pour over. Because like if you boil water on the stove, um, yes. as soon as you pull Check. it off, it like quickly drops in temperature, which can affect how much flavor you're pulling from your coffee. Um, on top of that is it has a gooseneck um, spout. So it gives you a little more control versus a large spout where water just dumps. Correct. It gives you a lot more control. It slows down the process and gives you a way better tasting cup. So by slowing down the process, you have more steep time. And exactly. you're saying that's important when you're making a cup of coffee? Exactly. You want, like, especially those first, I do, with this pour over, it's a um, full immersion. So I add water to coffee, mix it together, and let it sit. But for, like, your Melita, um, when you're pouring that first pour, you want to really wet all the grounds and let it sit. So um, that way it's completely saturated and starts to dissolve. So when you go to add water, it's easy to pull the flavor out. Uh-huh. Um, so having like the first pour I do with a Melita, for instance, is just a little bit to wet all the grounds. Just let it sit for 30 to 45 seconds. Oh, that's so hard. It's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. That patience at, at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning is hard. Well, and that's the thing. I don't have patience. So that's why I go to the AeroPress. Because then oh. I just dump the water in, mix it up. So how does this little unit work? So uh, if you, uh, we'll put a picture of this uh, on our website. Yes. And so you've got a little, what looks like just a typical kind of coffee, glass little coffee pot. And a plastic, it looks like a, almost like a, a, a French press or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's a it's like the um, new age French press. Okay. Essentially, it's going to give you a cleaner cup than a French press, but it's as simple as a French press. Um, here, let me grab. And I would say for me, that's the, one of the reasons I don't do French press because it's a very dirty cup of coffee. I don't, exactly. Yeah. I don't love. You the eat sludge. more than you drink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. I don't know what's wrong with those yeah. French people. Um, so the. <laughs> Um, like so it dirty. <laughs> the filter is a lot finer on the AeroPress, so okay. it's going to catch a lot more of the grounds, so it gives you a cleaner cup. But essentially, you set this on top of your cup, you add your coffee to it, add your water, stir it up with a spoon, place the plunger here, and let it sit for two minutes. At two minutes, you just push the plunger down, which you really have to put your elbow into it, um, and... Once, it's, once you've pushed it all the way down, you pull this off. You can even, um, for the coffee that's in there, you just plunge it out and it's uh-huh. clean. You're ready to go again. You're ready to go again. Nice. And yeah. this is for one cup? This is for one cup, yeah. Um, so if you have an arrow press. It's an arrow If you have six people, you need six cup. I mean six. Uh... It's um, the coffee form of CrossFit. So you're going to be making a lot of them very quickly. Um, so the idea is you need to invite more people in the morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you assign people. Yeah, you're like, yeah, you you get to make your cup of coffee. You get to make your cup of coffee. <laughs> All right. So now we've learned how to make it. So what kind of coffee are we using? I'm assuming since you work for v- Cafe Vita, you're going to use a Cafe Vita coffee this morning. Yeah, actually, um, I'm a little biased, but I love Cafe Vita. Yeah. Um, and my family is like bought in. They get the subscription online. Oh, and I good, get phone calls good. from my father-in-law being like, oh, your packaging looks so good. And ah. Yeah. Um, but right now we have our holiday blend, which is a huge crowd pleaser. Uh, it's really good with cream and sugar. Uh, we also, I've been working, so I'm the green buyer for Cafe Vita. So I source all the coffees and do quality control. And we've been working on a single origin program to highlight coffees from our farm specific. Uh, so we have our Costa Rica from La Esperanza. Um, and so great option. Two very different coffees. The Costa Rica is going to be lighter, have a little more acidity, 
And um, the holiday blend is that classic coffee that you want to eat your apple pie with. Um, those holiday treats, add some eggnog to, um, all of those festive things. So where are, we, where are we on the roasting scale then, from a dark to a light? or? A... Yeah, so um, we offer spectrum from light to dark roast. Um, the I'm hol- just talking about your holiday yeah, blend. Yeah, holiday blend is like a medium roast. Pamela and I got hooked on Starbucks early, early on and have always loved what some people call charbucks, which is fine by me because I love that kind of darkness. <laughs> What would I buy in your Cafe Vita line for a dark roast? What's your favorite? Yeah, so our Luna is really good. Also, our Theo blend, which is um, it's made after to mimic a Theo chocolate bar. is a partnership we did a, a while back. And um, both are really great options that are super chocolatey, have that, like, um, that dark roast profile that you're looking for, and pair very nicely with cream and sugar, too, um, or just by itself if you like it that way. You know, Pamela and I are both shareholders of Theo, and do we get a, like a penny or two if we buy the coffee? <laughs> we have a piggy bank set aside for you guys. <laughs> okay, yeah, good. I like that. I, I'm um, addicted to your Sumatra. Sumatra is good. It's, it's fatty. Uh, it's it's lovely and fatty and rich. Yeah, yeah. I so um, our <laughs> our Sumatra. We we've t- talked about taking it away, and it's like it's can't. It's like such a core piece of what everybody loves, and um, I, it's always going to be here. So there we go. you can Thank count you. on that. That's coffee. Okay, Sam, yeah. stay with us because now we're going to talk about what to do with that beautifully brewed coffee you just made in our next segment about holiday coffee drinks on Cairo. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, ninety-seven three FM. And we're back. It's the Hot Stove Show on Cairo Radio. <laughs> Chef Terry, uh, our guest is Samantha Spillman from Cafe Vita. And she's brought a bunch of different Vita coffees, Vita cold brew, uh, some looks like Dairy Gold eggnog over there. And we talked in the last segment about uh, all the different ways to brew coffee, especially one out of the, her little individual Aero Press. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're going to make some holiday coffee drinks. Do you have a favorite coffee drink? Like the Spanish coffee? I, I love Spanish coffee. I think reason. I think the one with eggnog and whiskey is definitely That's <laughs> not right, a coffee up, drink. right up my alley. Let's maybe Sam can make something out of that with coffee. Since I asked you about coffee, I drinks. know coffee, eggnog, <laughs> oh, and coffee, whiskey. Coffee, eggnog. Okay, Sam. like a, like a, like a rich Irish coffee, except not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Where is eggnog from? Maybe it is Irish. Well, I'm going to be. A, I'm going to share a recipe that you can include whiskey oh, with. Oh, okay. Yeah, it also has cold brew in it. Excellent. You want me to tell you about it? Yeah. So you guys have your own canned cold brew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is um, relatively new for us, but um, we wanted to bring the, put the Northwest in a can, mm-hmm. um, and there it is. Yeah. So uh, okay. this this uh, eggnog mocktail um, I created. Um, it's super fun, and you can also add whiskey to it, but it's equal parts eggnog with our canned cold brew. Um, and I add, um, when I make it, I do three ounces of cold brew, three ounces of eggnog, a quarter ounce of licorice root, which adds kind of that boo- boozy wow. flavor if you're no, looking wait, wait, for wait. a mocktail. Licorice Very root, what? good idea. Extract? Extract. Oh, extract. Yeah, okay. sorry. Licorice root extract. Um, oh. And then I shake it with ice. I pour it into a glass, and I zest an orange on top with a little bit of fresh nutmeg. Wow. Yeah, so if you wanted to, you could replace the licorice root with an ounce of your favorite bourbon No, 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 whiskey. no, you just add to it. 
I mean, yeah. That's I like the licorice shade you. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it adds a lot of depth. It takes, yeah. it, it like takes balances out the sweetness in the eggnog, um, and really brings the coffee forward yeah. too. It's super tasty. I'm surprised it doesn't add more sweetness. When I have teas, say that are herbaceous and have licorice root in them they always taste sweet to me, yeah right yeah yeah it's um it definitely adds more it i mean i guess there's a little bit of sweetness but i, I, mean, I don't know there's a a lot of depth added from it it's like it makes it a little deeper a little more complex uh-huh. than um, flat ignong chef when you put booze in an uh, eggnog uh, do you have a favorite do you stick with brandy I, I think i think a good brandy whiskey you know something that's pretty basic mm-hmm. I don't go too crazy into the... I mean, it depends. If I'm having an apple tart and I want to make a dash of creme anglaise with a little booze in it on the side, just because it's not rich enough, then I'll put some Calvados. You right. know, so that's enhancing the apple flavor. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, no, I think... Uh, if, you know, just make, make sure it's a good booze, not yeah. some, some crappy one. As in, well one. You know, I'm not trying to just get the alcohol. I'm trying to get the flavor. Too. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I think with some um, bitters on top, too, that could be really tasty. I think I love cognac or bitters. Or... Lo- yeah. Oh, no I'm... wonder you're a barista champion. <laughs> My goodness. So any other thoughts on holiday uh, coffee beverages? Um, I mean, there's a classic. I love melting down Andy's mints and using that in my coffee. I was like, I don't know. Don't. Tom, don't judge. You to, judge. Do you have to pre-melt them, or do you, can they melt right in your hot coffee? I, I mean, you could do that. Uh-huh. I, I pre-melt them in a pan, just make a sauce for the weekend. Uh-huh. A um, sauce. Yeah, like, like a chocolate mint sauce. But have it all weekend. I, and you unfold every little mint? Um, yeah, it's a lengthy wow. process. But they also, you can get like a six-ounce bag get, You should also, also take Theo's chocolate, a little mint extract. <laughs> you it's have, a little higher you end, have a yeah. Very nice, you have a very mint... <laughs> Nice it's a little higher end, yeah. Um, but, I mean, those are the two core ones for me. I mean, my, my husband, who's never had a peppermint mocha in his life, experienced his first one. Uh-huh. And it, it, I quote, um, snowflakes were bursting out of his heart. So <laughs> if you want snowflakes coming out of your heart and to really show that winter cheer, then uh-huh. you got to go with the peppermint mocha. So I'm more of a Spanish coffee guy at this time of year. There's a place down in Portland that... Uh, we go to all the time. Have you ever been to Hubert's in Portland? No, I haven't. It's a classic old uh, place that it's like Hubert's House of Turkey and <laughs> Spanish coffee. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. You get turkey and gravy down there, and then they have a cart that goes to almost every table because everyone orders it, a uh, Spanish coffee cart. Yeah. And I think uh, Spanish coffee is Tia Maria. Uh, I made it last night for the paella party. Oh, did you? What did you make? The high proof rum. And Kahlua using the Hubert's recipe. But no Tia Maria. No. Well, it can't be Spanish coffee. It has to have Spanish liqueur in it. (laughs) They cheaped out. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So it's Mexican coffee. Uh, And it's got to have a good dollop of seasoned cream on top. Like vanilla whip? I, I wasn't too scared to light them on fire, though. Well, well, that's, that's you know, the reason you light them on fire is that you, you caramelize the sugar rim. Yeah. That's the big, and you burn that's the the big show. That's yeah. the show. That's the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why does cold brew make me 
crazy. It, I don't is know it if it's higher? the cold brew. <laughs> <laughs> no, great no. answer. So sorry. I think that, that is one hundred percent correct. Can I say something? I think Tom drives you crazy, not the coffee. <laughs> but I'm a little afraid of cold brew, or yeah. maybe because you drink too much of it because it's so delicious. Well, and like a lot of places serve like a concentrate of cold brew, so they're adding a lot of coffee and not enough water to it. Ah. Um, but I I don't know why that happens. I mean, the brew process for cold brew is about 24 hours. Um, so it could be pulling more caffeine that's from the coffee itself. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the suspicion. Because it, it makes me feel a certain type of way, too. And yeah, um, yeah I, I have to stay away from it, honestly. And that, that's why I love the eggnog drink with it, because it cuts it down so much. Right. Um, and it balances oh, it out that it. sugar and fats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Pamela, I don't know if you know this or not, but the lighter the coffee, the more caffeine that it has. As the darker it roasts, the is that less. That's true, caffeine. Sam. It is so true. Um, my my dad is a classic Starbucks drinker, and he's like, "Why do you like, look at me and say my dad?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you're a youngster, but I'm not really sure what no. that. For the right reason, Sam. For the right reason. Um, but I, I've been trying to turn him on to um, light roast coffees. And he's like, oh, it's not the same caffeine kick. I was like, just trust me in this. Yeah. So I give him a cup. An hour later, he's like shaking. Right. Um, but yeah, light roast, you're definitely going to get a lot more caffeine from. You know, one of the great things about this show is that I say things and Pamela never believes me. <laughs> and then I, I just have to prove her wrong all the time. So light roast actually is... Stronger than yeah, because caffeine wise, yeah, which is funny because that's the kind of coffee I like. (laughs) I'm a light roast guy. See, we're gonna be friends. I'm a total light. I don't like over roasted, like the you know Starbucks idea. I totally never got in on the bandwagon of that. I always find it too strong and not not enough depth to the flavor to me. It's it's just one sided and just get Cafe Vida. Yeah, that is. I've had Cafe Vida. It's delicious. Yeah. I've had it. It's delicious. So get out there, find some of the uh, holiday roast, sing a little song, make yourself a little eggnog and cold brew. Get the cabin gift pack. Get that the sounds cabin, so yeah, gift, cabin pack. Gift, gift pack. Um, also, our Norwester blend is our new release, and that is a holiday treat, too. Lot, lots of good choices. All right. Thank you, Samantha Spillman from Cafe Vida. Up next, uh, we got another full hour. You know the correct term? Uh, you could also use another more hour. <laughs> I listened to a radio station where the guy would always say, we have another more hour. And so I looked it up, and that's the correct use of the language. Really? I'm stunned. Me too. <laughs> Just, you learn all sorts of things on this show. We got another more hour of uh, risotto and kari kari chili crisp and food for thought. Tasty trivia is going to be a big day here on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Yo. Welcome back to the Hot Stove Society on Cairo. Thank you for staying with us. Thank you for staying with us. Our live audience is busy eating their breakfast with some delicious Kari Kari Chili Crisps, which we're going to talk about later in this hour, along uh, with, uh, we're going to talk about which kind of rack would you use for a classic Christmas feast of crown rack. Uh, there's, our choices today are lamb, veal, or pork. So. What about beef? No. 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 That's No. No. I'm like, I thought... It's too big. Too big. It doesn't... When you get 12 people coming over, you know... Anyway. Yeah. yeah? You don't even have an oven big enough to do a... 
a crown of beef. Just saying. True. Just Probably. saying, chef. Probably you're right. My name is Tom Douglas. I'm sitting here with the uh, chef in the chapeau. Thierry Welcome Rotiro. to our second hour of the Hot Stove Radio Show. Uh, let's jump right into risotto. It seems like the perfect kind of fall-winter dish to warm up the soul when the rain keeps coming. And I know uh, we were trying to get over to our farm. And the, the pass is just getting crushed right now, which is great for the spring when we need the water. Correct. But it's difficult for the travel when we want to try to get back and forth from Prosser. So. It's actually fine if you haven't left yet. It just sucks if you're on top of the I, mountain. <laughs> and they close it down. <laughs> and, you know, uh, they're short on uh, plow, truck, plow yeah, drivers. Yeah, I, I so, read that in the time. So it's, uh, it is shutting more than it normally does. Okay, Pamela, uh, yesterday we were chatting about uh, your work schedule and that you're kind of working yourself to death right now. And I thought to myself, well, if she does die, what, is, what does she want me to cook at her wake? Risotto, please. Risotto, it came out. Just, it makes everybody just, so happy. It came out it. so quickly. Risotto, risotto, also, risotto. You could, you could also stop her from working. So, well, I tried. But she's too. She's too stubborn for that. Okay. So I tried on that. Uh, and so then I asked her what kind of risotto she wanted, because you know people put all sorts of things in risotto. Of course. Seafood risotto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Butternut squash risotto. They yeah. make uh, like celery root in the style of risotto, or. Right. Right? right, you know, where you just take little bits of celery root and kind of stir it up and cook it the same way you do rice. So um, she just wanted the classic Parmesan risotto, and she reminded me of our favorite risotto story, uh, Pam and her husband, Mike, who owns uh, Pike and Western Wine Shop down there sure. in the Pike Place Market. The four of us went to Italy. Our friend, uh, Faith Willinger, uh, took us on a tour of Parma uh, one day, nice. and we went to a prosciutto uh, farm. Uh, and a Reggiano farm where I had my best Reggiano experience ever. The farmer made the Lambrusco and the salami, and then we had a big wedge of Reggiano at 8 o'clock in the morning. Nice. And then um, we, they took us to a restaurant with the Parm, Parmesan Consortium uh, at this restaurant about 30, 30 minutes outside of town in the hills there of Parma. And there aren't many hills in Parma, I'll just say that, because uh, everyone rides their bicycle there. Anyway, we had this, uh, this throat salami first, and this beautiful uh, couple was uh, our, both our host and the chef. And then we had our risotto course, our Reggiano Parmesan risotto course. And it was so spectacular. And we said, can we have more, please? And then after lunch, we said, can we see how you make it, please? And I'm going back fully. We've all heard about risotto where you, you, know, you stir it, sure, add some sure. stock, you stir it, add yeah. some stock. It's process, right? You finish it with the cheese and maybe a nugget of butter and delicious, right? You season it up. So we go back there and say, what's your secret to that risotto? It's incredible. And we were just beside ourselves at how good it was. And he shows me a pan of steamed rice yeah. and a pot of cheese sauce. And he just puts the two together and there's his risotto. And I was, my face hit the ground. I was, I was... It was tortured made with disappointment. With beautiful Parmigiano. It was, you, were, you were missing the you were missing the mystic <laughs> and the magic the of like of grandma stirring the risotto, carefully making her stuff. You know, many yeah. things. Are, you know, onion. many things are like that around the world. You know, well, no. you know. It turns out that burst my bubble, and so now I'm I'm skeptical sometimes when I. See a duck all orange, and it turns out they're sure. using marmalade. Yeah, or they use some... a, an orange jam made in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> made in Denmark for duck all orange. But I still make it in the authentic way. 
with uh, well, who are you to call it off? Exactly. <laughs> you were in the Italian. city. You were with, in the city of, of risotto, <laughs> and you're telling me you're making it. The, oh, I see. With toasting the rice, I make my own stock. Uh, slow, and I do the slow additions, right. and it, it is perfection. It, it's not as cheesy good as the one in Parma. But well, I must, I must say then, that way you just described uh-huh. how they make it is not necessarily how I would make it either. I would more, more go into the... I've always made a risotto in a dropping the stock slowly into it and really um, bloom that, that, that rice. Right. And I've always made it like this and grate the cheese at the end and then you really envelop the cheese gently into the, into the risotto so you have those... Filament of yeah, Parmesan going but through But here your mouth. it turns out that, you know, the, the texture that we're getting from bringing the starch slowly out of the rice as we stir it, he just made a thicker cream sauce and it got the same kind of texture. Right. What no, rice do you use, Terry? I'm sorry? Which rice variety do you I'm use? I'm going to go with Arborio. I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of Arborio rice. I just, you know, I mean, it's Italian, right? You just said something <laughs> nice about Italy. I, I, I have to sometime. When okay. we talk about Italian dishes, I want to be... You know, I'm not going to give them a nice rice from the Camargue region of France because, no. I they don't to... deserve it, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, Arborio is the rice of choice. Arborio yeah. is, a good, is a good rice. I think it makes very good, very good risotto. And, um, you know, the question is, oh, do you need to worry about the rice, the stock, and the cheese, right? And the answer is yes, of course you should because, I mean, why adding a crappy ingredient in the middle of two good ingredients or just one good ingredient and two bad ones? It's like... No, just make it all three. It's so, three ingredients. I so mean. at least if you're going to buy like a canned stock for this, right? Right. Uh, at least refresh it. And all you have to right. do is put a couple of carrots, some celery, a little onion, and just refresh the brightness make of sure it. Make sure it's some not herbs. a salt bomb because as you reduce, salt it's going to be really salty. Yeah. And, and, and then uh, use twice the amount of cheese you think you should use. <laughs> Correct. And I, always that's finish a good with, rule for everything. Always finish with butter because the butter helps keep it a little bit separate. The cheese is going to want to glom it together, and the butter helps kind of... Keep it a little bit separate. And as we come into towards the end of December, there's a magnificent black winter perigo truffle out there. Um. It doesn't doesn't hurt the risotto to just shave a whole bunch of it on top of that. <laughs> Probably doesn't hurt it a bit. And then don't put in your ingredients like if you're going to add stuff like butternut squash or sweet peas, and don't put them in too soon. Oh no, put them just at the end. Stir after them in a couple of minutes left, right? Because that, that risotto is like a molten bomb, and it's going to continue to cook yeah. all the way to the table. Saute your mushroom on the side, add them at the last minute. Yeah. Do the at the last minute. Yeah. All right, up next, uh, we have a local comp- competitor to uh, Terry's and my favorite, Lo Gunma, Old Godmother <laughs> Spicy Chili Crisp, and they are a formidable competition. Yeah! It's the Carry Carry by Ruby and Rob when we come back on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Welcome back to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio. Tom Douglas here. Terry Rotero, the chef in a hat. Right here next to me, uh, we are downtown Seattle in the beautiful Hotel Andra. And we're going to talk about one of our favorite subjects, Chef. I turned you on to the Logan Ma ch- Spicy Chili Crisp. Thank you, sir. How many years ago? Maybe three or four years ago? Five years ago? Oh, yeah, at least. At least. Okay. Many jars ago. Many jars ago. <laughs> and... Uh, you were skeptical at first because it was you thought it was going to be too spicy for you, Correct. but it's a it's Ooh. really not as spicy as the jar looks, and uh, it's it's called the old grandmother's spicy chili crisp, 
And uh, since this became a world phenomena back in the mid-teens, like 15, 16, 17, came out of China, invaded the world, there's been lots and lots of chili crisps coming onto the marketplace. So we found one in our local market called uh, Kari Kari, K-A-R-I-K-A-R-I, garlic chili crisp. And the uh, tagline is crunchy, spicy, garlicky magic. And it turns out they're not lying. (laughs) They're not? No. No. It was delicious. <laughs> super tasty, super fun. And uh, Ruby and Rob are here to, they're, to talk about it, how they came about this uh, product, how they came about to making it, putting it on the marketplace, and tell us who they are. Hi, yeah. guys. Hi. Thank you Hello. for having us. Absolutely. We're super Pleasure. excited to be here. Um, yeah, so how it came to be, Kari Kari, we, um, you know, I come from the business world. Rob comes from the food industry. He's worked in restaurants and food service for his whole career. And when we got together, a big part of our relationship was and still is food, whether, you know, that's getting excited to try new places, traveling and trying new foods, him cooking delicious food for myself, my family, our friends and whatnot. And so it's just a huge focal point. And his passion for food and creativity is just very contagious. Um, I'll let you tell more about that. I'm the constant experimenter. I always have a project going on, something fermenting, something boiling, simmering. I'm the guy who like... You're a mad scientist. Yeah, kind of, a little a bit. A real chef. Yeah, so I'll get excited about the perfect grilled octopus, and I'll be the guy who's like walking back from the market with a five-pound octopus in my backpack, <laughs> building a cinder block grill in the back alley to like grill skewers for noodle dishes, mm-hmm. just all kinds of fun stuff. I think right now I'm koji curing just about everything I can get my hands on. Yeah. It's amazing stuff. I had a so, koji cured New York steak uh, from Beast and Cleaver the other day. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, love that guy. Yeah. Kevin. Awesome. Kevin, yeah. Um, so anyway, so constant experimenting. It's what I've just always been about. Yeah. So we got interested in making chili crisp. Um, we've been both very longtime fans of chili crisp, salsa matcha, fermented chili paste, other kinds of spicy condiments. And we really felt like chili crisp was so special because of the huge textural experience mm-hmm. it offers. Um, a lot of other sauces, they're more wet. and Yeah, like when you think of a, a hot sauce, right? Traditional hot sauce, it's adding acidity, it's adding heat, it's adding salt, salt sweetness. Yeah. But what makes food really outstanding is the textural piece. And so when we got into it, we're like, this, it really, that's why it hooked us, because it was adding all the things that make food great in one jar. Right. Yeah. Right. And the Logan Ma had that, uh, the, that little uh, crispy soybean in it, yes, right? That yes, kind of yes, gets yes. you that crunch, too. Yeah. yeah. But yours is like, takes it 10 steps further yes. as far as crunch goes. Yeah. The crunch was a huge factor in kind of developing the layers, so to speak, of how we thought about it. Uh, we wanted it to be a layered experience, not cloudy, so each kind of ingredient group shining. And crunch was the, the biggest thing. So huge pieces of garlic, shallot, peanuts provide a really big crunch. And then we have a different, like we have a bouquet of chilies that we really worked hard to discern. We, you know, as you know, there's tons of chilies right. that you could try. And we experimented with a fair amount, I don't know, like 20, 30 different kinds of chilies perhaps. Yeah, our kitchen was just a mess of chilies. Mm -hmm. And we were, you know, each chili is going to provide, you know, like a sharp, poignant heat or summer kind of like raisiny and chewy and sweet. And so those are the ones I like to fry because they they fry up beautifully. Yeah, so good. So finding that perfect harmony where each chili 
is not drowned out by the other one, and it's not too hot. Right. Um, we really spent a lot. Of, I mean, we worked about a year long mm-hmm. to develop the recipe. And then so. the oil, too. The oil is important as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's, definitely. There's many different kind of... So what kind of uh, oil did you de- de- decide to work with? Canola oil. Canola oil? Yep. And now, do you use the, the canola that you fry in, or do you use fresh oil after everything is fried? Yeah. Or is that a trade secret? <laughs> it's a little bit of a trade okay. secret. But yeah. but yeah, we do like to have a, a flavored oil going into it, right? Rather uh-huh. than just a, a bland oil, for yeah, sure, right, right. to add more depth as well. Life's yeah. too short for neutral oils. Exactly. In my, yeah. in my opinion. Like I always fry with peanut oil or something that has more, sure. more flavor. Yeah. So. yeah, it makes sense. So we were just became really interested in different, you know, like we were talking about with chilies, different textures in there and things like that. And, you know, our friends started to become more interested in what we were doing and requesting it more and more. And so then we were like, oh, maybe we could, you know, do something with this. And so we refined for a super long time and got to what we felt was our perfect version. Your blend. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And How then, long ago was that? Um, Let's see. Well, a couple of years ago that we got to our perfect blend, so yeah. to speak. So you've been on the market, general on the market for like two years? Uh, we've been on the market for about a year. Okay. Yeah. So I don't feel too far behind. I'm like, no. <laughs> none of this. <laughs> yeah. The whole process of like a brand and a name took a while. Sure. We landed on Kari Kari from, so I'm part Japanese. I'm half African-American and Japanese and half Irish and Italian. And my grandma comes from Japan. So that's a huge influence in mm-hmm. my life. And I think at the time we got serious about Kari Kari, we had just kind of come back from Japan visiting family. And so just that was very top of mind for me, all those words and whatnot. And so kari kari is just a word in Japanese that means crunchy or crispy. Oh, cool. Yeah. Fun. Very and nice. so how do you use the sauce? I know for me, like we passed it out to our in-house guests today to put on their egg sandwiches this morning. So you could use it like that. Uh, what's your favorite way to use your sauce? Well, I always describe it as a finishing move. I don't like to, you know, you don't really want to marinate with it. You don't want to saute with it. You don't want to lose the crunch. Right. Um, so a finishing move. So you just grilled the perfect steak right over the top, fried egg right over the top. Uh, I would soups. say, I would say my soups sometimes. If it's well, a like really a nice, wa- a nice really rich butternut squash soup. Yeah. That's great. You could but finish that with that. Yeah. But if it's a watery soup, oh, yeah, no, the no. garlic will go in there and get uncrunchified. Right. But I think my few favorite ways to use it is Dungeness crab, grilled, grilled Dungeness crab, a little bit of scallion oil, and then kari kari. Mix it all up into like kind of like a chili, crabby business with herbs on the top. Lots and of you're garlic just your fingers mm. and, oh, it's so good. So fun. That garlic is really beautiful flavor. I mean, it, it's nice. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and now and do you have a favorite? Uh, well, one of the ways that I think is unexpected that we enjoy is with vanilla ice cream. So, I mean, you don't want to use chocolate ice cream, perhaps, but a nice, clean vanilla ice cream with chili crisp on the top, you get that texture and spicy sweet combo going. Uh-huh. And steamed, okay. steamed broccoli. I'm, I'm a big fan of using my chili crisp on oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. steamed broccoli because yeah. it makes broccoli look a lot better. Well, and it's, it's perfect. I love it I'm just on steamed sticky rice, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. when yes. I'm trying it against, say, other chili crisps, because right. there's a ton on the marketplace right now, it's a fun kind of way to kind of spread it out without having to just take a spoon out of the jar. Right, right. 
Um, Kari, Kari. Perfect. Try that. <laughs> Ruby and Rob, uh, congratulations on your success. Where can, you Where can people buy it? Yeah, so you can find it on our website, which is eatkarikari.com, which is E-A-T-K-A-R-I-K-A-R-I.com. And then we're also in a lot of local vendors around Seattle and out of state as well. You can find all of those on our website. Like, for instance, we're in Beeson Cleaver. Oh, yeah, I know you are. Um, Conan Steiner. We're in Sugar Pill. We're in all kinds of local places. We like to support the smaller shops. And now you're in Hot Stove Society shop. Yes, so, uh, super excited. Thank you so congratulations. much. Congratulations. Okay. Delicious product. I, I have 10 seconds. What's your next product? Because nobody ever stops at one product. <laughs> what are you working on next? Uh, it's got to be something crunchy, crispy. Oh, We're still. Obsessed. Yeah, well, I don't know if it'll be a sauce, but something. we are just obsessed with crunching and crisping on things in the kitchen. So it might be something in that vein. I'm obsessed with black bean chili sauce. The fermented black uh, yes. mung soybeans. I love making that garlic and spicy chilies. We grow the chilies at our farm. So, super fun. Congratulations. Up next, we're going to talk about your centerpiece for Christmas time dining. On Cairo, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Welcome back. It's the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio. And Pamela uh, is in charge of producing our segments, and she wrote down, Terry, that uh, she wanted to know which crown roast she should make for Christmas. Should she use veal or pork or lamb? And so I'm going to, I have a, I have a preference, but I'm going to start with you. I don't want to infect Can I bet what your preference is? Sure. What's your, what's your bet? Your bet, my bet is that your favorite is pork. My favorite? Or what, there's, I said uh, pre-show, I said there's one I wouldn't do. Oh, you wouldn't do lamb. I wouldn't do lamb. Why wouldn't I do lamb? Because it's too small, because it doesn't crown. Oh, it's it, more crowns. Like, it crowns. Well, it crowns. It's just, just more overcooks like, by the time. Yeah. You can't get, you know, typically these kind of things have a stuffing in the center. Correct. And it's really hard to do the lamb yeah, and not a, overcook it by the piece. time you get the center stuffing. I'm oh, with you. Were you right? Did you bet correctly I wouldn't do the lamb, Pamela? Mm-mm. No, you lost $5. I like that. <laughs> I thought you were going to hate on the veal. No, love no, veal. No, the veal is actually probably the favorite that's of the all. That's the one I want. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the favorite of when all. It, I mean, when, I've, when I've asked you to make me veal chops for my birthday, you say they don't have any flavor. Well, the, the milk-fed ones really don't have much flavor. <laughs> the grass-fed ones are just like a young steer, so they, they have more flavor. And I'm happy to make you veal chops. <laughs> Good. So there. Now you have to go back to your words. I know. Okay, so let's make a crown roast for, okay. for somebody. You want to start it off? No, no, no. Go ahead. Go okay, ahead. so for me, I buy typically two racks. Uh-huh. So if you're buying a, a pork, mm-hmm. uh, I buy two loins of pork with the bone. because uh, So I wouldn't make a crown of pork and try and stretch the one all the way in a you circle. You can't. It's too difficult. Yeah, it's yeah. Too, I don't think so you can. You, you don't have to buy the entire length of pork. I think uh, a, a full length of uh, pork loin would be the uh, eight bones plus the shoulder cut. Right. Right, which has right. a little bit of the blade bone in it. So I, I like that. And where the blade bone is, that's part of the Boston butt part of the shoulder. It's the moistest part. So I like buying that end. I'll debone out the blade because I'm going to tie it up anyway. Right. And then uh, I use maybe half of the, the bones on the rack. Now, the problem there is you lose the crown, right? Correct. If you don't get it, the bone end. I know I'm sounding confusing on the radio, but 
Uh, you know, baby back ribs, right? Right. That's the bones from a loin of pork. Got it. Right? So they're cut off and made in baby back ribs out of them. Right. Or when they're left on, that's a pork chop that has the bone coming out of it. Correct. So I French the bones, and right. that's a, it's a cooked term for for releasing the fat and the meat from between in the bones. In between the chop? Which, between the bones, yeah. For God's sake, don't throw that away. Oh, no. That is the baby back rib meat. So just put it into a pan and make it a chef treat. Salt, yeah. pepper it, roast it. It's delicious. But it doesn't, uh, you don't want that there if you want looking for the look of a crown roast. Especially if you're going to use those old paper rosas that we used to do in the 1970s. Yes. <laughs> the little chef hats on the bones, yeah. And so then uh, the, the real trick there Remember is... Remember those? Everybody's laughing. The real trick there is now is you have to be able to tie both ends together to make a circle. Right. So that you, you bend the rack in a circle, a half circle, and then you bend the other rack in a half circle. You tie those two ends together. Uh, everything's been released, and there's your crown, right? There's got all the bones sticking out. Now, for me, you can roast it like that. Right. And if you're going to do that, now you've got drippings for a sauce. But if you're going to put stuffing in the center, which a lot of recipes call for a, like a bread stuffing in the center. Correct. Now you're kind of losing your opportunity for drippings, and you have to make a separate stock right. and make for a separate uh, sauce. Yeah, I like this to is do not this. the time to use like fruit sauce because <laughs> you don't want fruit sauce on no. your stuffing. You want a no. regular kind of like Thanksgiving gravy kind Correct. of sauce, Correct. or or, or uh, reduction stock reduction. I, I personally would roast the the crown just like that, no stuffing in the middle. No stuffing. No, I would do a stuffing on the side, or I would do a you know sauteed of different things on the side. And then add that in the middle at the last minute on the platter. and then On put, presentation. Yeah. yeah. Because I think that uh, a, good, a good rack, I mean, roast um, by itself without anything in the way makes a better, a better roast. You know, you get a better product and it's roasted everywhere. More and you evenly. get brown on all the Correct. All more the evenly. Yeah. 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 So you get better flavor added to your rack. So that's, that's why we put the stuffing in the middle. I mean, it's not a, it's not a bad idea. It's just it's a classic idea, but... You know, like everything, every classic, you know, like, you know, and you taught me how to question everything and, and uh, make sure that you get the best out of everything. Just right. like, to me, a big six-inch roast is not as good as a butterfly that, make it a two-inch flat roast and get flavors everywhere. It's sear on both sides, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, the best thing of any roast is the skin. <laughs> that's like on a filet mignon, I like to make tornadoes because right. you get... A Both. sear on twice as much meat as you Correct. do a big, thick filet right. mignon. The old which, Obviously, in the center of that big, thick filet mignon, you have tartare. It's right. raw meat. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's just I like the crispiness of the meat itself. And to me, that's what the flavor is all at and the personality also. So if you go to a good butcher shop, they'll crown this for you. Of course. Right? If you go up to Beast and Cleaver or down to Don and Joe's in the market, and I would really please everyone go visit Donnie. Before he retires, he's going to be not around for more than six months, is my guess. So go down there and buy something from him. Send him off his, to his retirement with a, a grand memory of right. having gone to the market and talked with Donnie. But they'll tie up a, a crown roast for you so sure. that you just have to roast it. You don't have to go through that whole process. Yeah. I make a bunch but of My suggestion is order it now. Yeah. Don't order it the day before Christmas. So a good idea. Expect them to do that for you. Yeah. For me, a good idea for the center is, you know, you sauteed some carrots, some... You do all kind of root vegetable that we have available right now, you know, rutabagas and parsnips and carrots, and, and then you toss the whole thing together and put them in the middle of your rack as a presentation. After they're roasted in the After oven. After they're yeah. roasted and everything, put that in the middle of the platter, put the rack around it, 
the, the Ooh, crown around good, it. Good chef. Yeah, I mean that yeah. would be a nice easy one, and then maybe some little roasted potato right around the rack, and then you get this beautiful little presentation. And and uh, if you're gonna use anything on top of the bones, use fresh flour. <laughs> Just, kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, sometimes uh, if your oven, like if you're trying to get a brown. Uh, pretty quickly, and right. you'll, those tips of the bones will burn. Right. So the trick on that is just put a little foil cap right. on each of those bones, and then they won't burn. Yeah. yeah. You put it across the across the whole rack. Put a piece of foil, and whenever you're baking, it's very simple. If it gets too dark too fast, and you need to keep baking, cover it up. So my choice on a crown roast, personally, is yep. no stuffing, like you said. Yep. I make a sheet pan full of the parsnips and the carrots and yep. roasted vegetables. But I put it on my charcoal grill. And so the reason mm. I do that, you can put it on a rack in your oven, but you won't get the same brown. Right. As if you put that rack, literally, you build a fire in the very center of your grill, a small one. You don't need a super hot fire, right. but I would say it shouldn't be any more than six or eight inches big. Okay. And then put your round... A crown roast over that center hole so that it browns from the inside up. Super good. Plus, you get a nice little smokiness to yeah. your mm-hmm. to your rack. Yeah, that would be delicious. And little, I think, is the key because a lot of people don't love like Jackie. My wife doesn't love a, a real hard smoke. She doesn't like no, no, like, it would brisket. Be, yeah, but this just gives you enough. Right? Just a hint that yeah. creates another layer of flavor. Yeah, right. so. delicious. And then make a nice au jus. We, we, you know, all those pieces you have between the bones. Just bring them in the pan, seal them, a little caramelized onion with it. You know, you just throw in some onions, bay leaf, thyme, cracked peppercorn, a little red wine. Reduce that down, you know, a bottle of red wine, reduce and, it down. And some chicken stock. And you then can, use chicken stock yeah. and then reduce that down. And then you get a wonderful sauce to go with your, with your rack. Mm-hmm. Mm, what time is dinner? This. I might just do this for Pamela this year since she called me a hater. <laughs> uh, about her birthday and veal chops. I might have to do this. You, might, uh, you are, if I'm not mistaken, you are hosting uh, Christmas, Christmas Eve. Christmas would be Eve. good. You know, one thing, one thing that like would be delicious, it. if you're going to do veal, morel, like dried morel, and then you just reconstitute them and make a nice sauce with that. Didn't you just nice, say that I should be looking for some uh, Burgundian truffles? Well, that was, uh, that uh, was for yes, the risotto. Please. Oh, that's for, for the, the risotto. risotto. Oh, well, I'll make the risotto if you do the veal rock. <laughs> now, a risotto with that would be delicious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the nice risotto and a nice slice of, uh, of a rack of veal. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. So if you were going to go look for those particular truffles right now to go with your crown of roast of veal, your Parmesan risotto, where would you go to find the truffles? I think the best retail would be at... Um, the caviar place, um, Seattle Caviar, uh-huh. on uh, East, East Lake. Lake. Yeah, I think it's a great place to get good truffles. You know, it's they they have always very good truffles. So, and ask for well, the not win- always in season. Well, yeah, of course yeah. in season. Not oh, oh, not I'm sorry, always when it's in season. Yeah. Yes, and um, the ask for the Perigord truffle. You know, they're they're really delicious. So, I would recommend that they Perigord truffle are more. Uh, they sustain the heat better. So when you put them in your sauce, you know, if you're making a sauce and you put the truffle at the end, it will be uh, still very much alive and really enhance your sauce. You know, when I was working at the Hotel DuPont in Wilmington, Delaware in 1976, 77. My God, you old. We would, uh, (laughs) you know, it's classic kind of Swiss kitchen. And they would get out cans of this, what they, it was almost like a truffle, like fake truffle roll. It looked like a, like cranberry jello coming out of a can, and then they would dice that up, and it was all really just for looks to make it look like they had truffles in their sauces. 
Just saying, those, those were the days where they used tires to make decorations. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't forget to stay with us for the Rub With Love Food for Thought Tasty Trivia Challenge right here on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. Welcome back. It's the Hot Stove Society Show from the Hotel Andra, downtown Seattle. It's time for Rub With Love Tasty Trivia. Rub With Love Trivia is brought to you by, oddly, Rub With Love Spice Rubs and Sauces and Mustards that add a flavorful kick and a whole lot of love to just about any meat, fish, or vegetable. Look for Rub With Love products in your local grocery store. Bartels uh, generally has them. Find them online at Tom Douglas or your buddy Stan on uh, Amazon. Or wonderful butcher shops around the country like the Butcher Block in Las Vegas, Market Meats in Vancouver, B.C., or Joe's Butcher Shop in... Carmel, Indiana. Carmel, Indiana. So there you go. Pamela, why don't you tell everyone how we play this game and uh, who our contestants are and what they're going to win. Three contestants, and uh, each receives five intriguing questions. And the loser, well, we have new rules. The winner gets a great prize of the rubs of your choice and some Cafe Vita coffee. Yay! <laughs> Why are you pointing at Dave the whole time? Dave, what we didn't... She didn't look didn't at us when she was... didn't get your last name yet. Uh, Fagan. Thank you so much for coming and playing with us today. Like the Fagan from Oliver? Are you a distant cousin? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with Terry this morning. Here we go. The world's largest serving of risotto, weighing 16,000 pounds, was made by the Rice Growers Association of Australia and displayed at First Fleet Park, Circular Quay, Sydney, Australia, in November 2004. Is this true or false? True. It I, was, I was there. <laughs> he was deaf, right? Five. Just because it's a f- No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to go with uh, 21 31. How many sonatas did he write? 131. 60! <laughs> you know, Jeff, I think I mean, that. 50, yeah. I mean, if, yeah, I, if I had yeah, to count yeah. how many I put in my cup of coffee, yeah, I would definitely be in the 40s, 50s. Yes. For sure. You want a good, rich cup. Why do people sprinkle coffee grounds on the ground around plants in the garden? Because it's good for the ground. It's got acid. It's very good for the dirt. And it's good for your geraniums if you don't know where to put them. And it keeps them awake. Okay, I'm going to give you that one, but the answer we were looking for was stopping snails and slugs from eating the plant. That's not he wasn't that's, <laughs> that's very close to what I said, not. Yes. But I, I the reason put you, my coffee grounds in my yard. There's so. two places I put my coffee ground. I put them in the sink. Once a, once a week, I just like to put it through my pipe so it cleans the pipe. And two, I like to put them around my plants, like geraniums and stuff like this. Because it helps the pH, and it just definitely helps the dirt. <laughs> would you say geraniums again? Is that what you're saying? I would say your answer is, uh, you know. <laughs> Wake me up when you're down. Your final question. Jingle Bells was not originally written to commemorate Christmas. What holiday did composer James Lee Pierpoint write it for? Easter? No, just kidding. Um, he originally wrote it for Bruce Springsteen, the singer. <laughs> Or maybe Bing Crosby. <laughs> maybe it's close to Christmas. Yeah, St. Nicola of some kind, like uh, something to do with Christmas, but not really Christmas. No. New Year's Eve? It was for Thanksgiving. Oh, my God. All right. She specifically Dave, told you it was not One out not of Christmas. five. Dave, if you Dave, don't beat that. You can take this away, Dave. <laughs> 
Uh, did risotto originate in northern or southern Italy? I would say northern. You yes. are correct. He's already equal to me. <laughs> when did Saffron officially define risotto alla milanese? In 1500, 1915, or 1809? Uh, I'll go with the 18. Yes! He's screaming into the lead. Oh, my um, God. Is this Guy's tr- brought a okay, they- <laughs> I didn't even hear him raise his voice. Uh, is this true or false? Christmas cookies date back to medieval Europe. False. It's true. Just three countries consume 65% of the world's coffee. Would you please uh, guess at three of those countries? Well, the U.S. Yep. You're off to a good start. China? No. no. Uh, I'd focus on Europe. <laughs> like close to Italy? France? Italy's not in the, in the top three. No, no, I said close to close Italy. Close to France? Yeah. yeah. Germany? Yeah. yeah. Yay! Yay! <laughs> well, three out of four. This is my favorite and your final. In 1674, a group of London women formed a coalition called WPAC, W-P-A-C, Women's Petition, petition Against Coffee. <laughs> Who were they petitioning against? Tea? No, uh, their husbands. They didn't like the amount of time their husbands spent in coffee houses rather than being home where they belonged. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So nothing has changed. You just moved into a different section. What was the score, Terry? Three. Three out of five for Yay, Dave. Yay, thank you, Way to go, Dave. Dave. Wow. Dave, the only person who raised his hand when Pam looked for a volunteer in our audience today. And he did fantastic. Yes. What was Tom, hi Tom. Hi Pam. What was the first German cookie associated with Christmas? Double uh, point if you can um, think of the German name for it. We all know the oh, what we call spritz. it. Spritz. Come on. Gingerbread men. <laughs> Yay! But we're not. Terry, are we giving it to him because he gets? Yes. Oh jeez. He was kidding the first time around. This I like is, when you go. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a true or false. Is it true or false that animal crackers began as edible ornaments? True. True. Nabisco introduced... <laughs> That's why they always have the little string exactly, on them. Exactly. Yeah. You know the whole story. Have you had this question trivia yes. before? For food commodities, coffee is the second most widely used in the world. What is the first? Heat. Oil. Oil. Oh. But you have to be careful where you buy it from. There's bad oils out there. I know. We, we should do a whole oil segment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I feel That's like a this is a slope, give me. Though. Name a popular rice variety for risotto. <laughs> <laughs> I must have been sleepy. Well, <laughs> thanks for not giving me that one. Aborio. <laughs> Yay. The Christmas alcoholic beverage English aristocrats called crow's milk. What do we call it now? Any ideas, audience? The audience wins! I guess eggnog. <laughs> eggnog All right, is that good... makes Dave our winner. Congratulations, wow, Dave. Dave, congratulations. Dave, you win, uh, your choice of three different spice rubs or sauces over there on the big shelf here at the hot stove kitchen. If you want to be part of our uh, winning team here at the hot stove... You uh, join our community on Facebook at Hot Stove Society Radio Show. Or you can buy a ticket at the Hot Stove 
website. Come join us in person. This show is produced by Pamela Hinckley. Sound and production today by Michael Todd. And our editor is Sean Don't Call Me Del Torre. And remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society show on Cairo, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful weekend.